<laughs> Welcome to three. Hold on. No, no, no. Yeah, Jeff, it's three Welcome to three dudes. Death. We're not live yet, fucker. You just said we were. And then I said, wait, not yet. It's still going. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you str- you're struggling? No. Did you did you tell Jeff that no, you look, you you fell asleep? I I don't care about your screen. It, I, it that doesn't bother me. User error, that's what I see. Fell asleep during what? You fell asleep the other night, and (laughs) well, um, (laughs) welcome to Three Dudes One Movie. I'm Tyler. I'm Jeff. I'm Dylan. Uh, We're three different generations of people who loves movies. Each podcast, we do a different movie to go over and dissect. Unless it's a movie series, so right now we're doing Lord of the Rings. Um, all means of these movies are of ourselves, and we don't really care. Uh, we're just having fun. Uh, the first movie we are doing of the series is a uh, Fellowships, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, yeah. So let's let's Jeff, let's give a little a uh, little summary of it. Uh, well, the Fellowship is uh, the first book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy by, by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, the movie um, made by Peter Jackson um, set a lot of box office records at the time. Uh, a lot of people drove, went out in droves to see it. As far as its legacy uh, in film, it's um, it's a lot of people seen you know, some of their favorite stuff out there. The uh, the film itself just introduces you characters they that you should have known already. Does um, you know get jumps right in with Ian McKellen as Gandalf uh, and you know, going into the Shire and meeting Bilbo Baggins, and then the adventure starts at that point. Um, as Proto Baggins, Jesus, I had a stroke. Um, he's there for Bilbo's birthday. Uh, who's a character that was introduced in The Hobbit. Um, the book, we got the movie decades later, seems like. Um, so they kind of did that backwards, but I can understand the story they wanted to tell uh, in The Lord of the Rings, uh, starting with Fellowship, uh, was just one of high adventures that's very influential on literature uh, at the time, and the world building he did was massive. You, know, you can still some good walk around with elvish tattoos on them. Uh, stuff like that today. So uh, there was a lot of stories to tell in the movie, and breaking it up into three the way they did um, is about the only way you could tell that story. And for a studio to believe him uh, that he could bring that to film was impressive in and of itself. And the Tolkien family had always been extremely tight with who they allowed to do anything with that name or the, the, the series attached to it, blessing uh, went a long way. So he kind of did the George Lucas thing. We did workshops, did the visual effects for it, and that stuff that he wanted to do in-house, he didn't trust anybody else to do it, and they did some technical things that people hadn't done in the past at, up to that point. So he built the franchise, the tech do it and change the way a lot of people make films at that point um, which is super influential um, there is a ton of, of great actors that were introduced in that movie some that got you know a real you know resurgence in their careers because you know just made Ian McKellen uh, you know super popular um, he'd already done Magneto and X-Men at that point um, Actually, he did Magneto afterwards, after the, the the fellowship. But man, and it was, it was, it was, it was very influential in the story, timeless. And uh, we can just jump right into the the review, man. Dylan, well, what do you think about the film? You said more good things about that than I expected you to say. I was expecting it to be just, uh, <laughs> just a complete. <laughs> Um, we'll get to my second point. <laughs> so I just want to start by saying I'm the only one here who 
just watched it for the first time, as both of them have seen it. Uh, Tyler's seen it multiple times. Jeff, have you only seen it like once or twice each? I'm assuming. Yeah, I you know I watched the theatrical release of all of them. Then I watched the super mega director's ridiculous unedited cuts. You know, I'll watch them. Um, you know, it, 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 when it comes on television, I might leave it on for a little bit. Um, and we'll go from there. <laughs> as, as, as well. well, the one, the, the first, first thing that I noticed was every good movie starts with a good background with the lore. If you don't have a good background with the lore, I don't want to fucking watch it anymore. Like, I'm done watching <laughs> if it doesn't happen. If you don't have an insane backstory of this is what's been happening for, and I don't even know what year it is. They said so many years, and I was like, that's yeah, that was a lot of numbers sitting there once. Um, I had to rewind it like three times to figure out how old Bilbo Baggins was turning because they said it 17 <laughs> different ways. 11-1, and then they one one one. I'm like, hold on, how old is he? Okay, and so I digress. But yeah, so there were a lot of numbers. And, um, but the backstory to it and, like, revealing what's going on while not revealing everything that's going on was, was perfect. Like, it was just enough to get you interested in the story and what's happened and what's happening because of that without, with being able to have some suspense later on in the film. Yeah. No, that that definitely makes sense. Uh, I agree. I completely agree. That's good because I felt like I was rambling. <laughs> Tyler, what do you think? <laughs> no, I, I, for people who've never read the books um, and going into it just to it, you have to build some lore, backstory, some interest in the characters. Um, and when it comes to to movies that that, that are that epic that have everything with it, to me the score is. It is just as important, man. Yeah. Uh, you can have, you know, let, let's say every time you hear the, the, the theme from The Lord of the Rings, you feel some type of way. You know, in the movie as it goes through, you know, when you, it gives you a little hope, you know, when you hear, you know, the music you're introduced, at, you know, in the Shire, you know, you're like, this is good, this is going to be cool. And then, you know, you have that horrific Mordor theme that Howard Shore brought to us. Uh, and but you know it makes you perk up in the seat. Um, and there's some other issues that I have with the score occasionally. It takes movie, but uh, well, well, I want to I want a specific. What's a specific? It's something that was done in fellowship and repeated uh, in two towers almost. Every any time that you have an epic sequence happening, battles, things like that, uh, a lot of the stuff can take you out of it, as far as I'm concerned. Like, specifically in Fellowship, um, as Gandalf falls into the pit with a Balrog. You know, ep- you know, classic scene, epic, you know, I still hear people tell people to fly, you fools. But the issue I have is the ridiculously drawn out, slow, very somber music. If you have to tell me with your score and slowing your film rate down to that level that something important, massive loss has been incurred, it's a little irritating. And then they keep doing it over and over. And it takes the acting out of it for me because you already have you have a scene that's fly you fools and then just you know, have Frodo scream Gandalf, you know, and then Aragorn just you know grabs him and drags him away. I didn't need you to slow that down. I needed it. I didn't need you to take twice as long to do it. And I didn't need the ridiculous, you know, with it. And that keeps happening over and over through the series. It's a choice. 
And that's not, I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I'm just saying it takes me out of the scene. And that really pisses me off because I wanted to love it. Yeah. It's a bad but, choice for bad choice for Jeff. <laughs> very, it, it, it is not it is not for me. And I understand when they're coming from from a directorial standpoint and how the score, you know, fits it and how that was like and he just really slow, somber, you know, dragged out, melancholy. I like and, and it's Howard Shore. It's Howard fucking Shore, man. This is the guy's a genius. He does great music, fantastic scores in these movies. I mean, come on. Like, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol listening to some of this. <laughs> but the choices of some of those particular pieces, along with the super action sequences, you don't do that. Let the actors tell the story. Written what you're going to write, that's fine. Tolkien described it as, you know, as heavy as he could do. That man needed a good editor, too. I understand that tree's green. I don't need four chapters of your book to tell me that shit. <laughs> so, if they just, if that, that way of drawing out something to emphasize a particular characteristic that you're trying to get across in the story is something that heated in the actual film. And, and that's, again, a choice. Uh, like some characters being completely left out uh, of Fellowship of the Rings and then just arbitrarily adding random backstory for people that I didn't give a shit about. Uh, love Liv... Come on. Who doesn't love Armageddon? She was not as bad as you. She was needed for this. She was not needed for this at all. It, it tried to it tried to humanize Aragorn. He is somebody that like yeah we get it he's a baddie he can get it, you know he can put hands on folks all he wants to do with his swords <laughs> and whatnot. Running from his responsibility and has done so for a very long time. He keeps running from it. Having him humanize someone and bring someone down with him because that's what he did. The choice that Arwen had to make in these films as it draws out. It was to literally give up her life for the sole purpose of a fantastic love story. Her mortality, right pretty there. much. Yeah. Why should another movie? They don't exist. That, that was, wasn't necessary. He, the story you could have told with Aragorn was the fact that he was he had ran his whole life from responsibility for the most part. Yes, he had did, did good things, developed characteristics that would lead him to be you know, a good leader and a king at some point. Accepting that role and realizing that I have to do this for the world around me is great. You don't need to humanize that person anymore. The story of itself should have been enough. Understand that you can't put everything on in a book into a movie and you have to make different choices for the soul telling movie that someone's interested in that especially one that you're going to do that's you know clocks in at well over nine hours when you put the whole lord of the rings trilogy together but the choices that they made in some of those actions you know it, it chapped my ass a little bit and i know peter peter jackson's wiping his eyes and you know with, with, with money at this point and don't give a shit about a review decades after your movie came out. <laughs> you could have done something. They're telling me you didn't like the five-minute slow-mo scene where um, Boromir was getting shot with the three arrows? You know what? And I'm okay with that one. Because we didn't see the arrow. You said you guys didn't get insulted and like, yeah, that's bad. But it's a good point. It's another example of a somber scene that happens that you could you didn't have to do in slow motion we watched this guy get filled with arrows like a pincushion with needles uh yeah we we did um we also already had seen a redemption from him and you saw him you know accept his fate so to speak um, 
have to do with slow mo with with no, Chamberlain. No, I agree with you on that one. Definitely a bunch of aspects of the scores that that you 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 hit the nail on the head right there. Definitely was not needed. Um, <clears throat> but no, it, it, that that's good. It, I think for from a standpoint of Dylan, you might understand this. Someone who's never read the book, Jeff. You and I have obviously read the books, and we have a lot of issues that were left out of the series. And I can understand why, but because I mean, if you really left everything in that Tolkien or Tolkien, depending who you want to fight with that day, um, yeah, I don't know why people pronounce it 500 different ways, whatever. Um, if they left every aspect of that of the book in the movie, no. those have been nine hours long. That was nine hours easily. But you know what the funny part is? I guarantee a lot of people still would have bought it and watched it. I wouldn't have. I would have vetoed oh, this no, idea you... so hard. <laughs> this, one would, this one would have been I a hard that, veto. Man. I mean, I'm all for miniseries. <laughs> I ain't trying to sit my ass in the movie theater that long. No, you ain't wrong. I will sit it at home. They could, they could do like the 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 TV show uh, Chernobyl on HBO, a six part series, about an hour fifteen minutes long each. I would have been so happy with that. But you also got to think this was what two thousand three. Yeah, so you're looking at something that the way people consume has significantly changed. At some level, it, it is it has changed a little bit. Um, but when you still have a spectacle that you have a story that's that large, you want to tell, you want to tell on a big screen because it's not the same. It's the same watching in a movie theater, watching at your house. Nobody can tell me that that shit is just as good because it's not. I oh, understand. No, go Visu- visually stunning, like you're saying. Oh my gosh, movie theater, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. It's completely different than being here at the house. I wish I had me that whatever, 300 freaking foot screen, whatever. You know, we worked at the movie theater. I was there for two years. You were there for what? 12, 13, give or take? And I still don't remember. I still actually don't even know how large the screens were. Um, But to see... What? I don't either. (laughs) But to see one of those, to watch this movie... I would give anything to go back there and do that. I never got the opportunity to see it on the big screen. I saw it <clears throat> six months after it came out on DVD for the first time. Um, I just said I never went to the movie theater um, when I was younger, but now it's all I ever do. And my wife gets um, <laughs> But I will say Peter Jackson did do a good job visually i now i think he overplayed too much but when you had all nine of them walking or eight of them walking at one point literally every he would do the wide panorama panorama view of the the way out in the sky and showing i think he did a great job bringing in that visualization uh, which I know was in the books. He brought that to life in that aspect. I think he did a phenomenal job on that part, bringing that in. Yeah, I think that. I think that really gave an idea of how far they're like. It gave you the sense of like, oh, they're actually traveling. Like this isn't <clears throat> next town over. This is like countrywide, end to end traveling that they're doing. Yeah, and, and that's important. Like it's just, it's the the enormous undertaking from all of it. You know, from from them, you know, from from Frodo, you know, getting the ring, and you know, literally just beside himself, not not what ring, uh, and giving it to him, and knowing that he can't do anything with it, that you know. Uh, that something's up, and for them to start on that that journey at that point, and then as they can add party members and add people to it, and getting the band together, so to speak, the whole aspect of it, and then when you know they're walking over the hills after you know they've been in the council of Elrond, you know 
they have a, a dwarf with them, you know, another human, you know, another elf, um, you know, and, and it's massive, you know, you're watching them take it. And then New Zealand is beautiful, you know, which, you know, I have little to no interest or desire New Zealand at that point, not because I hate New Zealand, just because, uh, yeah, I know it's there. It's uh, it's Australia's cousin, right? You know, seeing not even not even knowing you know what it looked like, and to bring that aspect of it to it, and how beautiful the, the scenery, massive the undertaking it is, especially the size that they are. Um, speaking of things that piss me off about the movie. Uh, <laughs> you have Frodo on the cart with Gandalf in order for them to show the size and the scope they have these ridiculous huge mannequin hands that get they look worse and worse every time I see them the thing is when you watch a movie the first time it's something that you don't notice for the you know typically of of of, of that goof of an effect because it's you're so beautiful so ugly, so rubbery and silkenized that those hands, uh, they just look so super fake from the from the jump off. So it turns my, my, my head sideways to this day. And it did the first time I watched it in the theater, too. I'm, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Man, is this going to be as bad as it gets for the rest of it? Are they going to keep doing this shit? Oh my god, I can't stand these guys that scenes together. But they didn't. That's the last time I saw the rubbery guys silicone giant man hands but uh that's one of those things details that and i'm not critical high at that level but when it you know when it snaps at you and, and wakes you up and maybe takes you out bad filmmaking when you take small details and you don't get them correct and it keeps you from from engaging in the scene like you like you want them to you know, it's one of those things, man. Yeah, and then no, we're it, talking it definitely here, pulls you out of the entire aspect. You you go from being drawn physically and mentally like, oh, this is a movie. This is a story they're telling that I, they brought me into it. Oh, why is there rubber latex hands right there? That just brings you out of the entire aspect of it. Granted, I understand CGI wasn't the best of things back then, which, you know, we could talk about, uh, about you know, all the marketing scenes with all the, the, the things of, of replicated, stuff like that. Exactly. Oh, you mean the, like, the three dozen guys replicated 40 million times? Yeah, there was, realistically, there was what, there was what, three dozen, three dozen of people that they just multiplied as many times as they could? I, I think. I don't know. Like, you know, they it, could. It, it, I don't know the exact count of them, but it seemed like it was pretty much the same to me. Especially with the Elvish, uh, the Elvish warriors, uh, you know, at the beginning of it when Sauron's there. Together, like, come on, man! It's like what y'all do? You put a whole year up to it and just shoot it three times. Y'all are good. That's just rude. You know, I'm specious, man. I'm specious that way. Yeah, and then they did the same thing with the roided up pigmen. Whenever they're going to kill everyone, <laughs> did you just say roided up pigmen? Tell me I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. Wrong, okay? You're not. Then you had the gimp, the the gimp pigmen that walked around yep. with the hunchback the whole time. Yep. That were like apparently they were the ones in charge somehow. Yeah, I don't like, understand that aspect. Yeah, of it. no, you know, I want to touch on that. How the fuck do they have any power whatsoever? What what the fuck did they do? They pulled down a couple trees and got their asses kicked in the first battle. How the fuck are you guys still here? Like, roided up pigmen are in charge now. You guys go the fuck away. Simple as that. I also thought that the roided up pigmen would be harder to kill than they were. But they died very seamlessly. Like, I saw them coming out. Ah, shit. I mean, they're human. They're, they're Are they? They were kind of born from like this little mud. I, I said, I said humanoid. Okay. I know, but humanoid. I mean, so is predator, and I mean, uh, human, but not a human. I don't know. I just feel like they. Yeah. 
should have been able to take more than like one dagger to the. I mean, okay, no, because Mary and Pippin were throwing fucking potatoes or some shit at their heads where they're wearing helmets, and these dudes are just falling, and they're just going down. Which hey, they were another side they of were Mary and Pippin. Potatoes. Mary and Pippin are my favorite hobbits ever. Because even though they are given, like, three or four daggers throughout the entire movie, they always result to, like, let's just throw shit. Let's just start throwing stuff at them. <laughs> and I love it. They're like, hey, it, they realize, like, hey, we're not as good at stabbing people as these guys, but we're really good at throwing <laughs> stuff. So let's just do that. And, I mean, it works. You play your strength, man. You gotta play your strength. That's what I'm saying. Like, I respect it. Typical. <clears throat> Can we, uh... Real quick, yeah. Uh, I, Chris uh, S- um, Sauron, Sour, Sauron. I always get mixed up for some reason. Yes. Um, I think he did phenomenal. Oh, he's so good in everything he does. I think he did phenomenal. Um, I, I yeah, I, that, that that's what I want to say. I really wanted to throw him praise. I mean. He's he's dead and he's you know not going to be able to hear this, but yeah, I think he did one of the one of the better jobs in the movie, and I think his whole scene uh, with I know he he and Gandalf had more, even though it was like you know it was probably shot at one time, but I think that whole interaction between both of them they did a great job of it. Oh, yeah. um, I think that the the whole like I said the whole interaction with them I think was amazing. Jeff, what, what you're like? Wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, that's a knock that I can't take. You know, for him, he he was great. Uh, the character was pitch perfect. Um, it, it seems like he was he played a um, authoritarian, mm-hmm. then batshit crazy. You know, and I've seen that depicted as well. But I think his his portrayal or uh, Osaruman was was great. Uh, it, it was very menacing. Um, the only issue that I took with it, um, that at some point, uh, you know, he's subservient to Sauron, but you never really in that, which I think wasn't necessary in the movie. Um, and he was just, you know, he, he basically. The character, like he's, he seems to ride on the wall, mm-hmm. and he, he can be on the losing side or the winning, side. and he made his choices and acted accordingly. Um, and the decisive way in which Christopher Lee portrays the character uh, was great. Uh, I thought it was uh, the choice of the, those actors uh, that were that were age as far as. What we physically think someone looked like at that point I, I were great. I think those choices were phenomenal. I even think uh, as Elron was, was was pitch perfect too. Um, the voice acting, uh, you know, for, from the characters and having to suck up and suffer that makeup uh, as Gimli had to be very trying uh, for that. For you know, because. Uh, he was not a spring chicken uh, when that was done, <laughs> and to suffer from that makeup uh, as he had to do, uh, I think the casting on there, and you know, well, why wouldn't Viggo Mortensen take another uh, another role just to get another damn horse uh, at that point? <laughs> right. Uh, that's, what he, that's, that's what he's known for. He always that's why he bought his horses. Always got his horses, no matter what. But I, when it came to that movie, I, 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 the casting, I, I have no knocks. There's nobody that was miscast, uh, particularly or misused. You know, that's there's no nothing that I can fault on that or say, oh, I'd like to see so and so in that particular role. No, Mm-mm. anything, any casting thing like that, that's a because you don't mean it. You know, you're trying to, you know, to be edgy, try to throw some stories and say so and so would have been better at such and such. Uh, the only bad thing that came casting of that movie, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, the fact that Sean Connery turned it down, saw how big it was, 
And then we got League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, in which he was the only redeemable quality of any of the of anything on screen during that entire franchise. That movie was horrific. I'm just gonna say that it was horrific. I saw it on TNT back in the day when it came out, and I have even though it has Sean Connery, like you said, that that that's. You know, speaking of which, I watched a movie. I, I, I know, off topic, real quick. Uh, what was it? Uh, um, dragon something. I, I'll, I'll find it. I can't remember, but he's the voice of a dragon. Dragon. Or he's the voice of the dragon, uh, Draco, in that movie. I did not know. Uh, like halfway through, I'm sitting there like, I know this voice. That's fucking James Bond. You know, just one of those epitomes. Okay. Before <laughs> I agree or disagree with casting being perfect, I need to know one thing. Is Frodo supposed to seem like a little bitch? Yes. yes. Okay, then yeah, everything was perfect. Because I can't fucking stand him. <laughs> like, he's fucking annoying. Yeah, he's super irritating. That. The character itself is that he was, he had no, he had no worries. Like, literally, yeah. Yeah, there's there's nothing bad in that man's life. I mean, he, he fantastic life he had, and then he had this ridiculous weight thrust upon him that literally, you know, through the course of it, it took not it took a, a toll on him. It took his life. Yeah, you know, at the end of it, you know, these like this wasn't something that was lightly done, undertaken, and again. Uh, it's just, you know, you can draw comparisons with other literary characters, things that you've seen in movies, but Gandalf knew what he was asking him to do. He knew what the, the he knew the, the, the price. He knew you're not going to come across unscathed, but at the same time, to him, uh, you know, at, at, at Gandalf's behest to make sure Bilbo didn't take it with him um, just so he would kind of keep track of it was what he thought it was um, he knew who he was asking but he also was always looking for the greater good and at the same time uh, you could tell uh, in the interactions with Frodo of how you know how much Gandalf and to ask him to do that weighed heavily on Gandalf as well. Yeah, that that reminds me of the the, the scene right after um, they all start fighting about who's going to take the actual ring itself. Um, they're all standing up, and then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? Screw it, I'll take it. And the I think the one the the next shot where you have Ian slowly closing. And open it up portrays that exactly. He's yeah. sitting there thinking in his head, "Crap, what did I do?" And at the same time, like, "Oh, like this little man knows what he's doing." And then same thing with uh, Vigo more Vigo, whatever. Um, his character slowly head and like slowly closing his eyes, doing the slow motion that you're talking about. I think at that point, that slow motion that don't aspects of the movie I think worked really well right there because it showed the realization of how strong Frodo truly is and you know like Dylan said everyone hates on Frodo for acting like a little bitch at a lot of times he is a lot of times he is but throughout the entire series you can yes you can actually see how strong he is throughout the series and people, I th- I think people underestimate that because of the toll that the ring actually takes on him. Because I'm, I know in the book, years went by in the book before <clears throat> before Gandalf came back and had Frodo take the ring. If I'm not mistaken, years went by, and then he came back and he was in the book. I think it was like 17 years. I'm I might be mistaken. It was a long time. He comes back and they're like, "Oh, hey, you need to take this over to the Prancing Pony and meet so and so." 
Well, then Frodo was like, oh, no, I'm going to wait four more months or some, something stupid like that before they finally go. But you can also see the toll, what I was actually getting to. Uh, the reason I brought up the years is from the time Bilbo left the ring after his birthday and then to where they meet over in Rivendell, you can see the years weighed that were taken off of his life, if that makes sense. Because for, mm-hmm. hobbits don't live to be 111 years old. They they no. don't have a relatively humanish lifespan. 80 years, give or take, is the max, uh, if I remember correctly. And so the ring, one, only gives you life, but as soon as you lo- lose the ring, you lose life a lot quicker, if that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I think that that aspect was a very phenomenal um, that they they portrayed how heavy of a toll that the ring with or without it, and then I mean you saw the instance um right before Frodo started leaving with the ring, uh, Bilbo wanted to see it real quick. You saw for that split second that he, <laughs> yeah, you hear you saw for that split second he. And then slowly brought it in and realized, oh crap, I screwed up. You know, it's it's just the power of the ring that people don't, I don't think, realize. But in a sense, Frodo's still a bitch. Yeah. Well, it's like the scene you were talking about, like where he's like, okay, I'll take the ring. Like he just the first thing he says, I'll I'll do it over here. I I can do it. It's like, dude, say with your fucking chest, like. You about to take on this whole ass quest to two fucking Mordor, like the most dangerous place in the fucking world right now. And you're just like, I'll, I'll do it. Come on, man. I mean, this is one of those things that he didn't want to do. They took it there for the sole purpose of deciding what to do. And they're trying to make decisions with something that's not theirs. Um, and the fact that, you know, as Boromir slips in a madness trying to take the ring from Frodo, uh, you know, later on, it's a uh, horrible thing, especially when that, you know, is trying to give the Hobbits a little time after they finally escape Moria, after they have lost Gandalf, you know, he's like, give him a second. And Aragorn's like, get him up, get him up, let's go, we can't stay here. And the scene, you know, what the ring can do to, to somebody when it comes to its subtle hints, its thoughts, you know, how it gets at you. It's like, you you could defend, you know, Gondor with this. You don't have to do that. You just got to take this little dude out. That's something that, that, that Bormir had no point had ever crossed his mind uh, to kill someone, to take something from them until getting around that ring. Yep. And what it yep. could do to people, what the whispers do. And your best intentions, um, and and it, and it, I think I did a good job in fellowship of making you understand that you can't do good things with something that was built for the sole purpose of being evil and controlling. Right, and then correct me if I'm. How many times did Frodo try? And... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so the ring, so the ring's power, like the will of like something about like the will of man is lesser than like every other being so like it's another thing where like it affected him more than Legolas or uh Gimli Aragorn Aragorn yeah. like more like they seemed unaffected by it so kind of I just kind of noticed that part too and it, that's another thing just showing that like giving an idea of like how powerful the ring actually is. But I, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there. That first sequence, you know, you know, is going to tell us the, the, the lore of the rings, uh, of how they, how they have, and elves got three, and, you know, the dwarf lords got X amount, X amount, seven and, nine. and the humans, seven and nine. how the humans, the, they just got twisted in the ring. You know how you know that you know bound them into servitude, well past death. At least one of them, uh, for most of them, and, and then did uh, not do them part. 
No. And when, <laughs> when Sauron stepped out on the battlefield uh, as they were canning the tail, and just like, you know, sending legions of people each swing of the club, uh, and this accidentally lost his ring, and so he had poured his to it. When that ring got severed, uh, he lost corporeal form, and they got very lucky. <laughs> so, you know, it's you know, the, 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 the introduction to it, because that's what the fellowship is, is the start of a you, the Hobbit as being the book introduction into the world and setting up plots for, for later and the fellowship uh, itself is like the first act of, of, of that trilogy that first portion of it and it does it does a great job as a as a in a visual medium and as a movie it works exceedingly well just some of the, the small things that take me out of it I, I, I'm really offended by those, but at the same time, no one can fault that that's that it's not a great movie, and it still holds up over a span of twenty years. A lot of movies that that can do that, not on a consistent basis. You know, especially when it comes to a non-dramatic movie. A drama can can be timeless in and of itself, just because thematically it's the same. But when an epic that is as visual as that is, it's very impressive for it to hold up that long. To me, no, I agree. Like you said, two two thousand three. Uh, that was visually first of its kind for the most part. I mean, what you had Armageddon in ninety five. Yeah, that came out in ninety five. I think. But still, I think visually, this it, of its time was one of the best movies. I, um, by the way, um, X Men came out in two thousand, so you were right. It was Ian was in X Men, and then he got uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, <clears throat> I just I, I don't I know do why I know that. Out. I just know that it's um, uh, two thousand one because we're on the twenty year anniversary. Ah, uh, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. What, what released in 2003? Uh, oh, probably. Uh, yeah, probably Towers. I remember. I was thinking Attack of the Clones. <laughs> oh. oh. You took a guess, man. Mm-hmm. You took a guess. Yeah. Uh, I was. Well, Tyler, well, you, you'll what? understand this. I was so excited when I saw Sean Bean was in this movie because I had no clue. <laughs> And it it really just made me feel good now, that my king now is you back. Now then he died. Um, now you understand why people always say he dies in all of his movies. Yeah, and then I had to watch him die again. It kind of sucks. He dies in most of them. You know, fun fact: he lives in National Treasure because they don't kill anybody in that movie. Oh, that was him. <laughs> Yeah, he was the bad guy in National Treasure. You're welcome for that, you know? He'll be arrested, but you can go watch him live in that movie. <laughs> I mean, that's why I, I love those movies. No, I mean, I got a whole Game of Thrones tattoo, so to see my king living for a little bit is, is kind of nice. Jeff, so yeah. how disappointed... I, Dylan, I'm, you haven't read the book, so I know nope. this is okay. But, Jeff, were you disappointed when bar scene in the Prince and Pony that did not, not get up on the table and do his 10 minute long song and dance. Wait, what? That's a thing? Oh, I want to see that. But, you know, those are things that, you know, it's, it's and again, you, you can look at the journey of that character that from the, his naivete mm-hmm. into what he had to do. Um, and the growth of the character that's something that I, uh, I think they there was for the movie, but a lot of it was done well with looks and subtle looks and, and you know just this the nonverbal communication which is exceedingly difficult to do for a lot of actors but Elijah Wood was, was really great at it 
you could read his face like just like somebody had a book and that was that had to be directing as well as just him you know understanding and loving the source material at some level it had to be he may not have read the book but he's looking at a script so uh mm-hmm. and for him to convey as much as he did with his eyes mm-hmm. uh with his brow he was great he was great in the movie for him going just off the script it, it doesn't seem like he read the book but interviews he said he never read the book like Christopher Lee apparently he read the books every single year and at most points in almost all the movies he were in he gave Peter Jackson um pointers on instead of like hey you don't know what's going on um but I I, I feel like they should have done a little portion of the dance and the song in the movie because that shows, like you said, how naive he was. Because in the book, I don't think he was towards, you know, he was very shy and stuff when he, the bartender asked him, hey, what's your name? He's like, uh, I'm, uh, in the book, he wasn't that. He was like, oh, I'm Underhill. I'm here for so-and-so. Um, and he went up and obviously got up and started drinking, dancing, and singing. In the book, or in the movie, I think they just went completely away with it, just went him straight him to be in somber I feel like they should have at least put a little bit more of the um, of the transition of his character into that yeah at the very beginning of the movie you have him sitting down at the ball sitting at the table drinking with uh, with Sam Wise and the other uh, the other elders of the of the tr- town not tribe town um, and him being a little bit loud but I don't think that really shows more of what his character was and truly is in the long run. Yeah. I feel like, like I said, I feel like they should have showed a little bit more of his naiveness and more of him going into it. Does that make sense? It does. And I can understand uh, how just watching that character's journey uh, and having that aspect of it portrayed on screen would have been a little more joyous uh, if done, you know, long form. Um, but I, again, that's one. You got if you're trying to cram in extra story with uh, love interest with Aragon. So if you took that out, you could add a whole lot more into it. Yeah, like, like I said, I didn't need that aspect of that character. I didn't need that that portion of it. Be. The love interest is was wasted, mm-hmm. and you took time telling a story to humanize someone that was having to come to the stark realization that has to be dedicated to the service of others, which literally would be a threefold, you know, aspect of there as far as Frodo, Gandalf, and Aragorn uh, having to live their life in the service of others, and. Having Arwen as a character inserted into that was very unnecessary. No, to I me, agree. I completely. And 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 at the same time, um, in the in the Hobbit movies, they did adding the love interest there. To me, actually made this that story more enjoyable uh, and added an aspect to it that that would. Have Pretty flat. If you would have got to the Battle of Five Armies, about any of them, uh, you know, it's like, oh, he did, and keep it moving. Uh, I think those could be condensed down to two movies, not three, two movies. Well, you know, you you want to get your money at the box office three times. <laughs> you know, would you only be paid once, twice, or three times, sir? <laughs> oh hell. I like to be paid to begin with. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we're coming up here to it. You know, let, let's. I think we. I think we definitely. I need to know who who everyone's favorite character is, because I already know who mine is. But Gimli, duh. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. There was something telling me that that was gonna be your answer. 
now I want to see if I can get hit. If I get both of these, I get a fucking point or something. I'm going to have a fucking alley board right here, and we're going to start counting Dude. points. Only if I win that, because I want to be up one. Every time, you, every time you guess something that we're about to say or know, that's when you get a point. I feel like, you know, in that aspect, me and Jeff are both very transparent on probably that aspect of it. Um, you know, I haven't really talked about them at all. Um, Mary and Pippin. Um, I know everybody point. says that's their that's their favorite. It really is. I'm choosing one. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, it's Mary. It's Mary. Is it Mary? Mine's Pippin. It's Mary. Mine's a hundred. Nice. It's Mary. Wait, hold on. I always get them confused. Which one's the idiot? Pippin. Uh, yeah. Yo. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I he for as stupid as he is, he actually truly cares. He means well. It doesn't come off very well at no. all. But he means well. And you know what? There's gonna be a scene in Two Towers, Dylan, that you are going to just absolutely love and die for. Completely laugh and die for Jeff. I think you know what scene I'm talking about. If if you remember the movies like I do, I think you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. I think I have a pretty good idea, but I will uh, I'll I'll make note on our rewatch for that, so we can pull it up and bring that back. Um, no, it's it's it, it. He's definitely my favorite. Um, okay. he does. I think he has very redeemable qualities. In the future as well, um, he steps up for his crap, and Dylan, you'll definitely see what, what, what I'm talking about here in the future. <clears throat> and then I want to give a shout out to Sam Wagoon because there is no <laughs> I have never seen a character that is more ride or die for his best friend than Sam. Man, couldn't, besties, even bro. couldn't even swim, and was like, "Bitch, you either gonna come fucking save my life, or I'm gonna die right here." I'm coming with you. I don't give a fuck. Well, like, if that's not ride or die, bro, so I don't know what is. You mean you don't even know? You don't even know. Like you're gonna do just for Frodo at that point. He is he is for his man. Like you know, that's him. that that's all for anything. Um, and that that's something that went through the the, the all of the movies, and you know, at the end of it, like when realize that he can't take this party uh, and has to break the fellowship to go to Mordor alone. Uh, and Sam says, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, sure, we can go alone. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going alone. I love it. I love Whenever it. it's we, it's always those two, no one else, they get it done. Well, you're, I rephrase that. He gets it done. And, you know, he, he that's, that's what I'm going to leave it at for now. Um, that what? That's it. There we go. Let's leave it at that for the for the We always chase rabbits and squirrels on on here when we're talking about movies, but that's the good thing about discussion, man. Um, when you have different different places and you remember things differently, and just you know, listening to, to somebody like Dylan that has not watched those movies before. And for you know to see uh, the enjoyment of somebody else coming from those movies, uh, that's why we do this, man. We talk, we enjoy. Hopefully, someone else will enjoy it too. And watching those films uh, is awesome. And to hear them talk about it, and, and to have some of the same takes, and you get a lot of different you know attitudes about it that makes me look at the movie differently too. Exactly. Um, I appreciate that. Oh no, exactly. And that's why I'm glad we I'm glad we're doing this. It's there's gonna be movies that I know I haven't seen. Young Guns have seen Young Guns, the all. movie Young Guns, dude. That is gonna be haven't a seen it episode. All. I yes, Bert Jeff's just stabbed Jeff. Um Tombstone. Yes, we knew you were gonna do Tombstone. I'm so excited to watch Tombstone. <laughs> 
I, I haven't seen it yet. And so th- that's what I'm saying. I haven't either. You get to see you get to see our reactions. So yes. Plain and simple. So there there and I know there's movies that I've seen that you probably haven't I, seen. I just realized like sixty percent of my banner is was lost on y'all motherfuckers. I thought I was crazy <laughs> saying the shit I said. It's going to be hilarious for y'all to go back and to watch Tombstone and and, and then think about what I said. Damn right you're scared uh, to people about shit at the theater. It's going to be, it's hilarious. Um, I'll be honest with you. You started one night, me and you were, we just closed one of our, you know, midnight talks for two hours. Um, you were saying a whole bunch of, you started talking about t- and I went home and I googled a lot of quotes from that movie. I kid you not. So I would understand refer- I obviously I don't know the context of the movie, but I understand a lot of the references that you were saying just so and make you not only make you feel good about it that I was actually genuinely laughing, but <laughs> that I was like not sitting there with the deer in the headlights, um like what the fuck, bro? <laughs> Which you know we did all the time when Alicia Shay talked, but we know that's like point. Um, so we're here to the great part of the <laughs> of our final thoughts. Um, and and you know I want to bring in some where we rate the movie uh, after you know we did Dune. We didn't. I don't know if we rate. We did rate. Oh, I'm an idiot. Whatever. Um, you know, let's start with the newbie, Jeff, or not Jeff, Dylan. What is your final thoughts and your rating for this movie, bud? Okay, the first thing I want to know, like, going forward, are we doing a 1 to 5 or a 1 to 10? 1 to 5, man. Come Always on. 1 to 5, bro. That's what I thought. What I was just making doing? sure. Um, so. I'm not doing a freaking, hey, rate my drive through McDonald's rating. Let's hey, go a 1 to 10. Sir. Let's go one to ten. How much do you want your ass kicked? Do you want Sorry. me to talk? Um, <laughs> um, so being the only person who hasn't seen it, I'm really excited for you guys more than me because you get to watch this emotional roller coaster unfold as we get through them all. But I was going into it because I knew Jeff wasn't a huge fan, and I kind of went into it with lower expectations, and I don't know if that made it better overall for me, but I know when I watched the first hour and then went and actually did my job, I, like, the entire time, I was just excited to go back and keep watching. Like, in the fact that, because I'm the type of person, like, I have to sit down and watch the whole thing through. I usually can't stop and go. So the fact that I was able to watch like, the first third of it and then be excited like just not even want to do anything else just want to go back and watch it i was like this is going to be good like it automatically just made my love for it that much better so for like a final rating i'm gonna give it a 4.5 out of 5 just because quick quick question for you i i remember when we first did the you you weren't against it, but you never wanted to watch it because of how long it was. Yeah. Um, that, that's the only reason you never you never watched it. Doing it the way you did, you split it up unintentionally in hour intervals. Did that every time it did it wanting more? Did it when you went so, and worked? Did, were you thinking about what you saw and what you were hoping was going to happen next? Yeah, I'm just curious. On yeah, that that's one. That's one thing I was noticing was when I watched an hour or so and then sat on it, I was able to just instead of trying to like remember parts and like pick out parts of a whole almost four hours, being able to just take it piece by piece and like this aspect, this aspect, this aspect, and then go watch the rest. And it's like okay, now I have these parts to throw into it. It did make it a little bit easier to really enjoy each part of it, I guess, and really just, like, soak it all in and just 
get get a better vision of like, okay, this is what's happening right now, and this is what it's leading up to. It was like watching a, a TV series. Is the best way to put it. Yeah. I like it. All right. Now off of four point five. Uh Jeff, uh do you want to go last? You want me to go ahead and go? I'll jump in there, man, and let you you know bring it home. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> the score to me uh that's a five. The movie what it's hip with it a four. You put them together, and I think you have something, a sum that's almost like if we were, you know, and it's and specifically the fellowship, not not the trilogy, not not taking into account the towers or Return of the King, but just this one. Uh, you know, I'm at a I'm at a solid four. Um, I don't think the score, me my love for it can bring in can bring my overall up any higher than that. So I'm going to give it a four out of five and uh, bring the hate. For, first Dylan, would you recommend this movie? Uh, 100%. And that's coming from someone who Jeff, waited you would recommend years to watch it. I, you absolutely, I'd have to recommend the movie. You, you have to watch this movie. Like, it's yeah. not, you know, there's there's plenty of people that, that, that won't enjoy it at the same time. Uh, it's a piece of cinematic history at this point. Um, and it's a must watch. You gotta watch this movie. No, I agree. Um, and that, that brings me to my, I, personally, uh, like you said, just going sh- not off the trilogy, just going straight off of the fellowship. There were aspects that were, but then I think personally for me there were some aspects that were too dark. They could have brought in better lighting or at that point to to make it like the the scene when they were on the lake where um at the before they go into the mines. I, I feel like they could have lightened that aspect up. Um, where Gandalf and Saruman the wise were, they could have lightened that aspect. There were certain parts that I feel like were too dark for the aspect. I understand what they were doing. Um, they were trying to obviously darker, darker plot point, darker part of the movie. But at the same time, I think visually they could have lightened it up to go along with the rest of the movie. Uh, personally, for me, no, I'm not. That's a lie. A four point two. That's what I'm giving is a 4.2. I'm sorry. I, you know, back off. <laughs> um, the score, I'm with you 100%. Love the score. Every aspect of it. It's, uh, you even have the soundtrack, and I listen to the, the score sometimes. I do that because I'm weird. Um, overall, I'm giving the movie a 4.2. Um, that That's what I, I, I liked it. I loved it. But coming from reading the books, there's a lot that I wish they put in there. You know, I'm glad they didn't put the four chapters worth of trees in there. Um, that was great. I'm glad they didn't do that. But then there's still mm-hmm. some aspects that were missing that they could have thrown in there. Um, side note, I want to put a pin in this for the end of the series. Aragorn's sword. Re- remember that. Um, I want to talk about that later on at the very after we watch Return of the King. And Jeff, I, I think you're shaking your head. You know why I want to talk about that. Yeah, we'll see, go back to Narsal later. Go yes, from there. We're coming back to that. Overall, I think I think it's a four point two, and I, I I definitely recommend this movie. This is overall a masterpiece. It's something that will be talked about and brought back and forth years and years to come. I mean, there's a reason that there's never been talks of redoing this. Uh, there's a reason they came out with the extended editions. By the way, we watched the three-hour, 48-minute extended edition um, piece, not the theatrical edition. Um, just I meant to throw that out earlier, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I love the movie. Um, I love the franchise as a whole. I love every aspect of it. 
uh, even though there's some that I hate, but being a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, uh, all of Tolkien's works, I, I, I love it. And, and, you know, I recently read through The Silmarillion, um, which is, do you want to talk about numbers, Dylan? You should go read the first, like, two pages of that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> there you go. You don't need to know. That's it's, 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 enjoy the movies. You may get, you know, there's there's a, there's a Middle Earth series in the works, so we'll see what that brings. Uh, and if that happens, I'm sure we'll have a resurgence in the movie. But as far as the Fellowship of the Rings, um, I, I think we all can agree that it was that it's an enjoyable movie and it's watchable and. I don't think my points are nitpicking, um, but I can see how some dismiss those as non-fair criticisms are marginalizing because of their love of the franchise period, and that's what happened with fans. Mm-hmm. It, I think it also comes to the part of people who have read the book and haven't read the book. Um, I, I think there's a huge line that's down there. There's people like me and you who grew up reading those versus people who wanted to go see the movies. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. He's just pulling them out right behind him. Wait, you actually fucking yeah. read that? What is that one? Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> you read that whole fucking yeah. thing. Dude, that's Bruh. like a fucking Bible. Like reading Harry Potter? There's a- Which one is that one? I can't see that one. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on to that. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, <laughs> look out for more wherever you get your podcast. Uh, please, please leave us a re- review on if you loved it, hated it, or what you work on. Uh, definitely subscribe for no- notifications. On Twitter's at three dudes one movie talk.